Welcome to the His Light and Life podcast with your host, Mark, who will be your guide to enhance, deepen, and enrich your Christian life. To turn your focus away from just getting by to walking with God in His light and life. Welcome back to His Light and Life. We've been talking about the world, and um, from the perspective of the Christian's view or the Christian's relationship to it, and we've laid a good foundation. We've established that the world as we know it is a construct that's been created by Adam, and by that, what I mean, uh, last time we spoke, we were talking about um, Pharaoh and Egypt and how Egypt was a construct they were the first really, really huge example of what Adam, what his vision would have been uh, when he rebelled. And Pharaoh is a great example of, you know, self-rule and all of the things that tie into the fall of man. And I wanted to touch on something that I had started to last time, but I really wanted to clarify that point that you, we miss when you see God coming back and, and, and dealing with uh, the, he sent Moses into Pharaoh, uh, into Egypt and with the message of letting my people go. I want you to see the, the disconnect or the distance between the power of God and Pharaoh himself. So Pharaoh himself, by all the world standards, was the most powerful person on the planet at that time. And I want you to see, though, however, that to God, he was just Adam. He was just, he, he, was, he, was, a, he was a child of disobedience. He was, you know, he was a child of wrath. He was the rebel. He was the manifestation of the spirit of disobedience. Okay? And that's important. And... Uh, when God said, tell him I am sent him, it's almost, you can almost, um, you can almost hear, even though it wasn't there, you can almost hear God saying, I really don't have to justify. I really don't have to extend any effort of explanation about who I am. I have promised I'm doing something in this earth that I have determined that I will do and nothing can stop. Nothing can stand in its way. Just tell him I am sent me. Now, when we're talking about the world, I want to pick up something here in continuation with where we are in Ephesians 2. And we left off last time uh, about talking about, says, it's for, for grace that you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And that's in Ephesians 2.8. Uh, and we left off last time speaking that even the faith that you have, even the faith that you believe with, was a gift to you. So God not only gives you the grace of his mercy extended in raising you from the dead, uh, we're saved by grace, but it's through faith. In other words, there's a moment where you believe in the sense um, after you've been raised from the dead, and that it's, is a gift from God as well. And then it says in verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
And that covers, of course, everything else. But here's the part that I wanted to get to as far as in relationship to our to our position in the world. It says in verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, uh, which God hath beforehand ordained that we should walk in them. Now, I want to I want to touch on this because this is crucial in our walking free from the world because you have you have two choices when you go out the front door of your house when you interact with the world in business when you interact with the world with the people that you work with it doesn't matter the situation it's important for you to recognize and understand that you have two choices at that point you can interact with that with your environment from the position of your mind, will, and emotions, which are in Adam, uh, or you can, you can interact with them from the position that we read right here, that uh, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And it's an interesting choice of words there. It's amazing revelation of what God has intended, created in Christ Jesus. There's a verse in Corinthians that says that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And that new is also includes our relationship to the world. And our relationship to the world in the sense of our entire manner of being. You were once a citizen of the earth. You were once a child of disobedience. You were once bound and your day-to-day conversation in times past was consumed with the lust of the flesh and the fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And you've been you've been you were dead in trespass and sins and you've been raised from the dead and you've been recreated. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And in that creation, you think about an idea where something is created to perform a certain task or you know, somebody manufactures a product, and that product is is intended to do a certain thing. Um, so, the idea behind that, of course, is from the invention, the conception, the development, the prototype, and the actual release of the product all the way through. There's a certain task. There's a certain um, purpose for which for which this product is created. We see that. <laughs> We see that in the world. Every single thing that man created, he created with some kind of a purpose. He doesn't just create something and someone comes by and says, what is it? I don't know. I have no idea what that is. I just made it. it just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing. Well, that, that's not what we do. We have an idea. We, we create things. Um, and what we've created over time has gone through various stages and moved forward advancements in technology. Essentially, they're the same things over and over. They just do things in a faster, more efficient, or better way. But the point being, when man creates something, it's his workmanship. You, know, you used to hear that about the tradespeople all the time. Oh, he's the workmanship. He, you know, a guy did my bathroom, and the workmanship is just amazing. You know, this stairway was put in our cottage, and the, what a real, he's a skilled worker. Look at the workmanship that he that he made the staircase with. So in other words, 
we uh, the intention for which the purpose the the item or the product was made is there, but then there's also the skill of the worker, right? The skill of the worker. It's in it. Well, I want you to think about those two things, what was made and the skill of who made it. When we reread this verse of scripture that we find here in Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to see that in this context, it says that in the ages to come, this is backing up to verse 7, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, Notice you don't contribute to the workmanship that you are. There's no human hand involved in the workmanship here. I gave an example of, a, a, of somebody through skill and workmanship making a staircase. That's, a, that's something that's produced in a product by the hands of a man. And you can say... That he is, that man, is a good, he's, a, he's an excellent workman. The workmanship that he puts into his products is excellent. And we can follow that through in virtually any other area. But it says, it says that, that not of works, are, we weren't involved in this, lest any man should boast. And what that means is what God has done, he has done. What God has what God has made, he has made. So when it says there that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, I want you to picture your contribution is zero. Zero. It says that you were dead in trespass and sin. He raised you up. He made you to sit together in his son, Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he would be able to show, it would show the exceeding riches of his grace and, the, and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God beforehand ordained. Now, what I want you to hold in your mind is that word that the works that we are to perform, he has ordained them. And though all of these things that we have just read are 100% accomplished by God himself, and that we don't contribute anything to them, what we contribute is acceptance of them, a yielding to them, a heart that says, according to thy will, be it unto me, O God. And when you understand that, you will understand that the Holy Spirit comes inside of you when you're born again to bear the fruit of the good works 
that we were ordained to perform. That these are not works unto salvation. These are not works unto acceptance of God. These are not works unto those things. But that is an acceptance. It's an acceptance of them. It's a yieldedness to them. It's a heart that says, yes, I believe that you have done this thing. And my heart is filled with gratitude towards you for it. I want to back up and I'm going to read a verse of scripture that's very often misunderstood and ties directly to what we just read. You find in Ephesians, or sorry, you find it in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. The word is, the word is like a pleading. It's a deep, deep, deep pleading. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. See, that's exactly what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, where we read. Based upon his mercies for, towards you. What mercies? Well, the mercies that he, you who were dead in trespass and sin, he has quickened. He's raised you from the dead. He's extended of his own free will. His mercy has seed and love towards you. He has given you the ability. He's raised you from the dead. He's given you the ability and faith to believe. And you enter into, because you're his workmanship in Christ Jesus. So those are the mercies. I I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's it. That's it. I want you to think about... I want you to think about the contribution of a sacrifice. And you have to understand something. We, we, we have this term sacrifice when we're talking about it and people see it as it relates to the world. You know, the world is pulling you this way and you are a living, you are a sacrifice. And in this day, there's the idea of that you perform resistance and work against the world but if you think about the context that this is written in the Bible, a sacrifice, what happened to a sacrifice? I mean, what, I mean, think about the bulls and goats and sheep and all of the animals that were sacrificed in the Old Testament. You think about the Lord Jesus Christ. He yielded himself up. I mean, I, I you know, Please hear this in context with the deepest of reverence. But after Jesus' arrest, including his arrest itself, he simply yielded. He simply yielded onto it. And they took him, and, and, and we know the processes that he went through. He resisted not. Right? He was, he, he was like a lamb is silent before the slayer. He went silently to the cross. He didn't fight. He didn't work. He didn't contribute. He presented himself a living sacrifice. But I want you to see that it was yieldedness. That's what he did. He yielded onto it. And in the same sense, in the Old Testament, the animals that were sacrificed according to the Old Testament covenant and law that God had with the Jews, with the children of Israel, I mean... They, they, were, they were brought before the priests and they were slain. 
And we, that's what this verse is talking about. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, we we take that ver- we take those words holy and acceptable, and this is what we read. We we read this, based on what God has done for you, you need to give up all of your selfish fleshly desires. You need to become holy and acceptable unto God, and that is your reasonable act of worship. Now, God has made you holy and acceptable unto Him through the death of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our role here is to present ourselves before him as a living sacrifice, yielded unto our creator, who has made us, set with his son in high places. We are the product of his workmanship. And therefore, in that state of yieldedness, we will perform works that he has preordained before the foundations of the world, that you will be able to manifest his son, Jesus, in the earth. That's why the verse is so important where it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you pre- by, uh, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You can't do that with your, when you're in heaven. That can only be done now. And it isn't that by presenting ourselves uh, living sacrifices, that means that we go and pick up works. It's interesting. I like what Evan Hopkins said. It's amazing how many Christians think that that we are that that we're we're delivered from the penalty of sin by the works of by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, but then we somehow now deliver ourselves from the power of sin. It just, I mean, it's completely ridiculous. And the verses of scripture that I've just read said, say that it's ridiculous. It's not of works. Listen, if you can contribute anything at all, including believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, when you're in heaven, you'll be able to say, I'm here because I believed. There's something that you did that your neighbor didn't do. In other words, so you hear the gospel and you believe. He heard the gospel and he didn't believe. You did something he didn't do. Therefore, you contributed to your salvation. Do you see that? If you then, once you are saved, if you by your own strength and selfish and, and self-effort, self-reliance, resistance of this, going here, don't touching this, don't looking at that, you achieve what you would consider to be holy and acceptable, then you can say when you get to heaven that I did that. So the idea is very common. It's common in every religion, and unfortunately it crept into Christianity with disastrous results. And that disaster, those that what has crept in is the idea that a that your salvation you contributed to it by believing and b your walk in holiness and purity you can t- contribute to it by self-denial. Both of which are untrue. Both are founded in all of religions in the world. Those two things the idea is that you must do something that is pleasing unto the gods. 
that you can make yourself acceptable to that God or contribute to your acceptance before that God. And then once you've done, there's something that you can do or contribute to maintaining that relationship with God. Both are untrue. I mean, forget the fact that the scripture completely denies it and clearly tells us that our deliverance from the world is the same as our deliverance from personal sins, which is our same as our deliverance from the law of sin and death, which is the same as our deliverance from the power of the wicked one and the, and the, and the superseding and overriding the mind, will, and emotions of Adam, including the fleshly desires of our body, excluding the fact that the Bible clearly tells us that in every single one of those areas, our victory is 100% secured, established, paid for, empowered by the death, burial, and resurrection of the, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Forget that aside. Let's just look at it from the natural. Let's just look at it from the simply pure, practical human element. Who has ever done it? by works. Who has ever done it? I mean, a basic surveying of the Christian terrain today will demonstrate in about two seconds the absolute dismal failure of a religious Christianity that puts you in the driver's seat, that puts your foot on the pedal, your hands on the wheel, and says, okay, work out your salvation. You accomplish it. Okay? And the Bible does say work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Absolutely. And what we work out with fear and trembling is understanding that all of the things in our lives are working against the the simple faith in believing that all of our victory is accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ. The world is going to tell you that there's a behavioral standard that you must achieve. The devil is going to tell you that there's a behavioral standard that you must achieve. The law of sin and death is going to tell you there's a behavioral standard that you must achieve. And of course, the mind, will, and emotions that are inside of you is going to fill your head and heart with a behavioral idea of that there's a behavioral standard that you must achieve. And the fight of faith, as you've heard me say and will continue to hear me say, is you standing in the face of that firestorm telling you that you must pick up something, do something, be something, become something, try something, imply something, contribute something. And that contribution is to be added to the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the doctrine of works. That is the doctrine of demons. That is the doctrine of evil. That is the doctrine of Adam. That is the doctrine of self-reliance. The rest of Christ, to walk in his rest, is to rest in him. And say to myself, all day, every day, from now till eternity, there will never be a point at which where we will not say that. That I am here, I am in Christ. I am his workmanship. I am a child of God because of the Lord Jesus Christ and his work alone, full stop, plus nothing, period. I bring nothing. 
I ask nothing, I can contribute nothing. All things have been given unto me in Christ Jesus. He's my source. He's my supply. He's my one and all. I want to just touch before we wrap this one up, there's, uh, is the idea of the word sozo. And this word, I think, will be very, very valuable to my listeners today. The idea is you're shipwrecked and you're done. You're finished. You're out in the middle of the ocean. You're out in the middle of a large body of water. The waves are swelling and you have nothing. I mean, the only thing you've seen, you're trying to stay alive. And the only thing that you've seen is a seagull flying by. And then out of nowhere, completely unexpected, comes this big, huge log just floating in the water and you are you you are just at the last gasp of your life and you grab this log and you pull yourself up on top of it and you wrap your legs around it and you wrap your arms around it and you put pull your whole body towards it with all of your strength it has become your salvation it has become your sozo that's what that word means That's what Jesus is for us. You let go of that in any capacity. Can you contribute it? Do you say, oh, okay, I can contribute now. Uh, Oh, thanks for this. Lord, thanks for this log. Father, thanks for sending me this log. Okay, I'm good. I'm just going to catch my breath here a minute, and then I'm going to start swimming. No, you hang on and you hope. He's your hope. He's your faith. He's your life. He's everything. And that's what sozo means. And that's what the life, death, burial, resurrection, and shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is for us. He has made us acceptable. He has made us holy. And we yield unto it. And we say, absolutely. I'm just the sacrifice. I'm the living sacrifice. I bring nothing of my own strength. I bring nothing of my own ability. I accept the sacrifice that you have made for me the mercies that you've extended to me. I want to thank you for listening to His Light and Life. We're going to continue on in this talk about the world uh, and our victory in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Thank you for listening to His Light and Life. Do you have questions or want to speak with Mark? Please reach out using the email in the description. We'll see you next time on His Light and Life.